السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. ما شاء الله مولانا يسبحك. ما شاء الله. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد. الحمد لله. We are so blessed, so fortunate to be. Alive to be in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be breathing The fact that we're here shows that we came here. Nobody brought us here We came by ourselves with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his grace his mercy and Constantly we are living in his grace in his mercy in his father like the Quran says and We weren't entitled to this. This is not just, we don't have any right upon Allah. And this is where sometimes we can get it wrong, where we as human beings can sometimes feel that this should happen like this. And we term this a sense of entitlement, where we kind of feel that, how come I've not got this? Or why have, why have I not achieved this? And this kind of, Understanding sometimes leads a person to complain, to be critical, to object on the decisions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, we all face challenges, we all face difficulties, we all face problems in our lives. And at that time, you know, somebody could say that we're speaking about gratitude, we're speaking about shukr, we're speaking about thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But life isn't always easy. And this sounds really good. Okay, when things are going good, it's easy to do. But how can we have this kind of thing in mind when things aren't going well? Is everyone following? So remember, this is, we're not just talking, we're not just saying that, you know, sometimes some people tell you like, no matter what's happening, or just be happy. Yeah, so maybe, or just be happy, just smile. You'll get through it, don't worry. So this can be counterproductive and a little bit far from reality. As important as it is in Islam to be positive, to be optimistic, to have hope, we can't be totally fake as well. If we're going through a difficult time and it's challenging, a person's in pain, we have to acknowledge the pain. It's there. It's by just by saying, it's going to be okay, or just smile, that's not going to take away your sadness. So we can't totally dismiss it. So, and there's ways of dealing with that. But with gratitude and shukr, in Islam we call it shukr, that is applicable in every moment. Even in a difficult moment, challenging moment, and it doesn't go against what you're experiencing. So we, we've been suggesting that Quran tells us again and again, one of the ways we can cultivate shukr because remember, we have to keep growing. If we're not growing, what's happening? We have to grow in sugar. Every day we have to grow in sugar. Quran says, O family of Dawud alayhi salam. Okay, Suleiman alayhi salam is being told this. Dawud alayhi salam is being told this. Okay. Practice, practice cultivating gratitude. And very few of my slaves are those who are grateful. So who, who can tell me if we're not growing, what's happening to us? Dying, exactly. This is, this is something we don't think about. If we're not growing, we're dying. And that's in all areas. So we're speaking specifically about this area. If we're not growing, then it doesn't mean if you're not growing, that means you just stay where you are. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Just think of a simple example of a garden or a field. If you're not constantly working on it, if you just leave it, so sometimes we make we work really hard and through different different methods and means to try and develop and make ourselves better, and then we let go. So if you let go of the garden, what happens? Okay, it, it's going to die. It's going to die. It's just, you just left it to become a jungle and then it dies. So we have to constantly grow and 
This is what we learn from a Sahabi radiallahu anhu. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that each day that I don't see better than the previous day, okay, that day isn't a good day. I don't see any, uh, any kind of prospect in that day. That is the day of a Muslim. He says a, a, a Muslim, each day should be better than the previous day. Each action should be better than the previous action. This is growing, this is progress, this is moving forward. But if we're just like, one day we're here and the next day we're there, and then sometimes we're going even further back, of course that happens, but it shouldn't be intentional. It can happen because of circumstances, because of health, because of things that are happening around us, and trials that we might be going through. But we're intentionally, a lot of times, not growing. So even in this area that we're speaking about, we can't just leave it. If we just leave it and not do anything about it. So even the prophets were told, despite them doing shukr, Allah is telling them that, okay, you've done shukr. Because they're, they're thanking Allah in this moment, if you look at the verses. So Allah is telling them further, And this is about practicing gratitude constantly. Become constant in it. Something that you're doing and you're growing in it all the time. And the amazing thing about this is this leads to action. Because in Islam, we have shukr in three types. Shukr of the tongue, shukr of the heart, and shukr of the body. And the more we engage in it, it will lead to action and many more actions. And this is the beauty of it. The Prophet wasallam, at night time, he would stand in prayer, the hadith says. And he would stand for so long that his feet would become swollen. So somebody would come to him and say, why are you praying? You don't need to pray. All your sins have been forgiven yet. You don't have any sins. And had you had any, Allah's forgiven everything from the past and everything from the future. What was his response? He always would respond by saying, Should I not be a grateful servant of Allah? So can you see where this gratitude translates into action? So this qiyam that he is doing is a qiyam of shukr. This is what he's doing. He's recognized such a great bounty of Allah and that's led him towards an action. Okay, so when a person lives in gratitude, this will push us forward to do more, to become better. Better in the world, better towards other people, of course better to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, better towards ourselves as well. Because وَمَنْ شَكَرَ فَإِنَّمَا يَشْكُرُ لِنَفْسِهِ so what I was saying earlier is this. Gratitude, shukr, doesn't always have to be like when you're in a, on, a, on a high, when you're really in your high moments, enjoying yourself. A lot of times we're not. And that's the reality of this world. This world is out of paradise. There's going to be lots of ups and downs. How can you find gratitude then? If you, were, if you had your gratitude journal, for example, and you had to put something down, and you're just there, you're just thinking like, what even happened today? Oh, a lot of things happened. There were thousands of things that happened, but you were just not in that state at that time to put something down. You know, something was blocking your mind. What, what, what even happened? What good happened today? Right? We're not saying there wasn't, but sometimes we do come in these kind of uh, states where we can't see any good. If you've got a person who's ill, you put the best of foods in front of them, what happens? They don't want to eat. It doesn't look or smell or even taste tasty anymore. So sometimes we become ill mentally, spiritually, emotionally, we become ill. And we don't want to face any of these things. We don't want to say anything good. So can we practice gratitude at that time as well? Is it possible? What would you write in your journal at a time or to express to Allah at a time when things aren't going so well? What would you say? Reflecting on your day, what would you what would you put down? For what? Okay, so that that's being honest, but how? How can we translate this into gratitude?
So I'm still alive, I'm still doing it kind of thing. Alhamdulillah, okay. That only, uh, remember, you'll only get to that stage if you have that kind of mindset from before. Yeah? If this is the thing, the hadith tells us very clearly that whoever remembers Allah in their best and high moments, Allah will remember them in their low moments. So if, if and why we're speaking about this, if we don't develop and cultivate these things now, when we're in our low and dark moments, it won't come to us. Speak to somebody who's in that scenario. If you've been in it yourself, you will know. It's so easy to say, oh, just, it's okay. Everything will be on. It's not like that. When you're in that moment, it's not like that. Okay, you start even doubting even the basic tenets of Islam as well. And it's very, it's a very slippery slope and a very dark place to be. No one should ever pray to be in that situation. And if anybody's going through that, we should be very sympathetic towards them because it's not something easy. So, and, and the way and that it happens to everybody in their life at some stage, some experience it much more severely and some experience it less. But the thing is, you can't kind of try to fix it when you're already there because it's very difficult. But what I'm saying is this, what I'm saying is this, there are things that you could do when you're in your low moments in terms of gratitude, but the other kind of stuff might not work where we just say, oh, just be positive because that's not true. You, 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 that's against reality. If I'm sad, I'm sad. I can't just become happy and smile. I can't, you know, they say fake it till you make it kind of thing. You, 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 you can try, but if something getting you down, it's getting you down. So, okay, I'm going to share with you something that you can put down or say at a time when you think things aren't going so well overall. So you could put at the end of the day, you could write down, nothing bad happened today. Isn't that a blessing? I didn't have a headache today. I didn't experience a toothache today. I didn't go hungry today. I didn't lose my sleep today. Oh, can you see that there, is, there are so many things which we don't think of? But these are all there, even, and, and this, is, this won't be difficult. At a time when you're in your low, at that time to say that, all our, I can't think of anything good to write, but nothing bad happened today. I wasn't in an accident today. Isn't that a blessing? Like, we've taken it for granted that everything should go well. We've got this thing in our mind, everything has to go well. Not necessarily, it's up to Allah how things run. And the world is running and things are happening all over the world. Constantly. Okay, I did not become homeless today. There's so many people who are homeless. Okay, I did not become homeless. And you look around and this is the thing. It's having the open eye policy. We become very selective in what we see. And this is why uh, we're constantly pushing from here to get into this habit of writing down something. Even if it, because that forces you throughout the day, regardless of what situation you're in and how you're feeling, to think outside the box. And if you're not, I'll give you an example. This is a personal thing I'll share. So, because I've made this commitment that I have to write something down, automatically, everything you come across, you think of it differently. Regardless how you're feeling, that doesn't come into it then. Whether you're feeling good or... So even, even when you're not feeling great, even at that time, you can kind of like, earlier, we've seen some really strong winds, haven't we? Right? Really strong winds over the last few days. Even this morning as well, such strong winds. Now, how can you, how can you be grateful for that? Like, how can you find gratitude in something like that? Because that, that, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people in our community, especially some, some elders, who suffer from a type of depression that's weather-related. Like, when, when it's gloomy, dark, windy, rainy, and we get a lot of that here in the UK, right? They just, that's it. For days, they're just off. These are people who come regular to the masjid, but they won't come for days on end. They just can't get out of the house. They can't talk to family. They can't enjoy a meal. They can't, it just, something just overtakes them. It's like a dark cloud, just because of the weather. 
right? So how can we switch something? Because when you do hear winds like that, it just makes you feel a bit, you know, oh, like the weather's so bad. But a way to look at that is, this is what I, I was just thinking, this came to my mind, and I don't think I would have thought of it if I wasn't journaling and making a note of it, and how Allah has said that, remember the blessings that are upon you, think about them, mention them. And one of the easiest ways to remember something is to write it down. And the even better way is to teach it to somebody. Because when you teach something to somebody else, you learn it twice. So this is the greatest benefit of you. And I was thinking to myself, hang on, we're so fortunate that we don't have extreme weather that much. Like we have it now and again where it's extreme weather, where we have really strong winds or a very strong rainfall or even sunlight. It's rare. Whereas so many countries in the world, they're faced with extreme weather most of the time. I mean, even now we've got winter, but it's not, it's not like, I wouldn't say it's harsh. Okay, we spoke about, you know, a few weeks ago, um, I saw a news uh, kind of clip, and I, it took me a while to figure out what happened, where somebody's going into a tent and they're seeing a father and some children lying down, and they were just asleep. I was trying to figure out what's happened, because I think it was on the border of Turkey and Syria. I was trying to think, like, what's happened here? Like, they don't seem to have been killed. There's no, like, wounds or anything. Um, they don't seem to be kidnapped because they're there. It's only afterwards when I read more, and I had to read it a few times to understand, that the, the, the simple thing that happened was, um, they weren't hungry at that time, and they weren't killed, they weren't murdered. In the morning, they didn't wake up. Why? Because it was so cold that their bodies had frozen. And you could see the dad's lying there, and the children are all sleeping with him. And the bodies have just frozen. It's so cold. It's just so cold that the bodies are frozen. And this is extreme weather conditions, um, much colder than we have it over here. So this is one way of looking at it. Um, I don't know if I'm getting through to everybody and everybody's following. Uh, but you can come to that if, if nothing. I'm sure, I'm sure we can think of so many things throughout the day. But if ever you're going through that kind of moment, you could just say that nothing bad happened today, alhamdulillah. Nothing bad happened today. Okay, you don't want to say anything good happened? Well, nothing bad happened today. And that is something uh, which you should be and we should be grateful for. Um, so how, 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 has it, how has it been? Last week we said, let's continue, give it another week, inshallah, and see um, if we can try and put some entries in. Those of you who didn't have the app, if you tried to download the app, those who were, of you who were doing it on paper, I remember some of you were doing it just verbally or mentally. Um, anybody like to share anything uh, of how it's been going? Anything? We can take inspiration from different people. Coming around. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. See, this is the small thing that we normally take for granted, which we didn't think twice about. And that adds so much value to your life. You don't realize that it's just a moment. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't really take any time. It's just a way of seeing something, acknowledging it with the heart. But that translates into so much overall kind of your well-being. Uh, and it pushes you towards more good, inshallah. Anyone else? I mean, I'm not necessarily going to go around asking each person if you've got something to share, uh, by all means. I don't want anybody to feel under pressure that you have to say something. If you've got something to share, please feel free as we go around. Yes.
Flugzeugflotte. Mashallah. So there's actually a dua, even in your difficulty to read, the Prophet has told us. So uh, Shaykh is telling us and reminding us that at that time, that's a blessing in itself as well. Because the dua is, Oh Allah, reward me in my calamity. And remember, he's saying calamity is, we see it as a calamity. But it might be such a huge blessing, we don't know. Reward me in my calamity. Because obviously you're going through a difficulty. So the patience that you make. So reward me for my calamity. And replace it with something better. So when you pray to Allah, either Allah will give you uh, the same thing or something even better. So in the long run, that's become a blessing, hasn't it? Yeah. So there's actually a dua for that time. Uh, any of the other brothers, anybody else wants to share anything? Can you see how, how, how that's something amazing? To, to actually acknowledge and know, that's the first step. I, I can sit here and I could have lost focus and I could just be indifferent about it and say, I'm alright. But to actually say, I lost focus, that's a blessing in itself. Because realization is the first step. That's the first step. If I don't realize I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing, then I'm never going to do it. So that is something great in itself, the realization. They, they always say, they give the example, I mean, I'm not comparing to anyone here. They always say regarding a person who's an alcoholic, that's the first thing they make them do. They make them confess. Okay, acknowledge, admit, okay, that I'm in the wrong, this is what I'm doing. Until a person doesn't feel that they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, they've not opened the door for improvement. So that, that is a great thing to actually say that I'm not doing this. It's a blessing in itself. That's your first step. <coughs> so inshallah, now you'll think about it more. Yep. Alhamdulillah. And, and again, there's a, there's a dua for this as well. The duas are very powerful. Okay, and all of these duas are all based on shukr, gratitude. Very, very powerful. And the only thing is that you just have to spend a bit of time learning the Arabic. And until we learn them, that doesn't mean we can't benefit from them, benefit from the meaning. Because remember, dua, dua is not a saying, it's a prayer. And we've turned all the du'as into sayings, into statements, into utterances. It's not just an utterance, it's a dialogue. You're talking, you're praying to Allah. What, what du'a is it for this kind of occasion? Where you see somebody in pain, difficulty, affliction. MashaAllah, beautiful du'a. And, and the benefit of this is, is, is amazing. Alhamdulillah alladhi aafani mimma abtalaka bihi wa faddalani ala kathirin mimman khalaqa tafdeela In today's world, you could be reading this so many times a day. If it's done with presence, focus and intention, um, this will so help you develop your... Uh, the, 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 sort of becoming a grateful person. It will help you cultivate gratitude so much throughout the day. What does it mean? Alhamdulillah alladhi all praises due to Allah, Afani, who has granted me relief and afiyah, from that which he has afflicted you with. Now you don't say it aloud in front of a person. Okay? And he has given me superiority over much of his creation. Meaning he's made me better off. Like, what's that? You're telling yourself that Alhamdulillah, okay, I'm so much better off than so many people. 
What will Allah be doing for you internally? If you, not, not if you just say the Arabic without thinking of what you're saying because you're not present. You've not internalized the dua. If a person internalizes this and thinks what they're saying, what will that do for you? Constantly, you're not going to say, oh, it's not fair. Okay, I'm so, I'm such a loser. Okay, I've got it so bad. Nothing's going right for you. You won't think of these things. Okay, this is this is this will be so empowering because you're saying, From all the people Allah has favored, Allah has favored me like much more. And the hadith says that if you say this, when you see somebody in affliction, affliction could be anything, could be health related, okay, could be an accident that you see. It could be someone who doesn't have Iman. Okay, Kufr is an affliction in itself. It could be someone who's fallen into a sin and you're not looking down on that person, but you're just grateful that Allah has protected you from it. And you say this at that time, it could be any calamity. Somebody might have lost their job. Somebody's marriage could have broken down. Somebody could just have really bad health. Somebody received some bad news. At that time when you, and we come across this constantly all the time, if we can learn this dua and bring it into practice, the hadith says that if you say this at that time and you actually like say it with presence, Allah will protect you from that until you're alive. Allah will protect you from that affliction, that calamity will not come your way. And that, that's huge. Uh, anyone else wants to share anything? Yes. Yeah. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Yes, definitely. So when, when a person is going through difficulties, our, our religion is so beautiful that it, it's not just applicable when everything's going well. But the Quran, the Hadith, Allah, the Prophet recognizes that there are different states in the human being. And even for that time, we've been prescribed with so many different things. We've got so much guidance to keep us going, things to cling on to that will help us in those times. One of them is Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Uh, anything else? Somebody had more than that. Yeah, so this is a hadith of the Prophet وسلم, where we're being taught to look at in, in worldly perspective to look at those who are below us. And the interesting thing is the hadith goes on to say this will make you shakiran, it will make you a grateful person. It will have, make you have a grateful disposition. It will make you a shakir. You'll become an embodiment of shukr if you keep practicing this. The idea isn't to do it once or twice or now and again. The idea at the end of the hadith, if you look at it, to make you into a shakir. This is what's required. Anybody else? Yeah. I think we finished um, 26 or 27. The last few are left too. Your own feedback and I'm looking at the end of that spectrum because I want to go out. 
I think we can take many lessons from uh, what Brother Adam has mentioned. Um, I'm just going to take one point, and that is, um, you see he's repeated some of the things we've been learning about, and we've gone through so many different things. And sometimes people say like, how do you remember all of this? And when we're in the gathering, we think, yeah, I'm not going to forget this. But you walk out of the door, and it says, um, I don't know what, is it within 48 hours, Within 48 hours, 80% of what you've heard kind of disappears. So how do human beings learn? What's the best way of learning and retaining information? We hear so many things, but we forget. What, how do human beings learn? Practice, okay. Practice does come on the table, but it's not right at the top. So this, is, this is it, you've got, you've got like, so normally people say by listening, Okay, by watching, for example, uh, by writing even. So these things come more towards the bottom. The normal things that we do, listening, hearing, for example, watching even. Okay, but what comes right at the top of the table is teaching. If you, whenever you hear something in this gathering or wherever you are, whenever you hear something, if you listen, one is to listen to benefit yourself. But if you listen with this in mind, I'm going to go and teach it to somebody else, even if it's one person, you will, that knowledge will be retained. Because when you learn something, because learning is, it's not a, learning is not a spectator sport. When, when you just sit and watch, learning doesn't work like that. Learning doesn't work like that. You go in one ear, out of the other ear, and we've changed learning into this, where we just want to listen. Okay, that's not how it works. The best way to learn and to retain information is to teach it to somebody. You go out there and share it with at least one person. If you can do more, even better. You'll see that that knowledge will be retained, it will be solidified in your mind, and yeah, you've learned it twice. So that, that is something. So going back and doing it, I'm sure that's something you remember now, that part of it. Uh, anyone else before we continue? No? Okay, right, so for today, inshallah, what I'm going to share with you, um, something we can think of now to make this easier, again, you take this from the Quran, is, and I'll give you an example from the Quran to understand this. What we, what we can apply here is, everything that we have in this world is a gift. And we need to see it as a gift. Because Allah has created this whole universe for us. So just like sometimes we can say, in English we say, um, that we take it for granted. We've got water, for example. Take it for granted. Now we have to change one word. Instead of taking it for granted, 
I need to take this as granted. Simple. Instead of taking it for granted, take it as granted. And that changes the whole, it's a whole new meaning to it. It's a whole new world you're entering into. Everything you see and you perceive, now when somebody gives you a gift, right, how do you feel? How do you interact with gifts and the people that gift you? You weren't expecting it, you, did, you weren't entitled to it, you weren't deserving of it. You didn't do anything to achieve that. You didn't work for it, it was given to you, okay? It just changes us, doesn't it? It has such a positive impact on us. And our relationship with the person who's gifted, okay, it's, it's, it's a very unique kind of relationship and a behavior that we have at that time. So imagine from the time we woke up in the morning, we saw everything as a gift. Just think of it like that. The air that we're breathing, this is Allah's gift. Allah is, this is Allah's gift. That's what Quran says. Quran calls it a ni'mah. Ni'mah is a gift. It's a gift. Okay, we didn't pay for it. It's a gift. Water is a gift. The blood I have, okay, this is a gift. And Allah is constantly gifting me. These are gifts of Allah. And constantly, if we can see the world, and you can start from things which are natural, for example, like water and air, okay, that we're breathing and using constantly all the time, and then everything else, the clothes that I have, this is a gift, okay? Everything is a gift. My work is a gift. Being in this masjid is a gift. Everything, services provided, these are all gifts for me. Now think about it. Who did Allah create the world for? He created it for us. وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا For answers. He, Allah, is the one who created everything that's in the world. He created it for you. This is Allah's gift to me. So rather than taking life and things in life for granted, we need to start taking them as granted. And that will hold us, open a whole new world for us. Very quickly, I'll just share with you from Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam. Many cases with Suleiman alayhi salam. One particular verse in the Quran, when he invited, when he found out that the hoodhood bird wasn't present in his gathering, and then he said, well, you better give me some good information, otherwise that will be the end of you. So the hoodhood bird said, yes, I've come across a, a group of people who are led by this woman, her name is Bilqis, she's the queen, and they worship the sun. And then he said, well, go and drop this letter, invite her to Islam. So she accepts, cutting the long story short, the queen of Sheba, Biltis, is coming towards Suleiman alayhi salam. Suleiman alayhi salam says, before she arrives, who's going to bring her throne and present it here, before she gets here? So one of the jinn, who was Ifrit, he said, I'll bring it for you. Before the end of this gathering, I'll make sure that the throne is here. And then somebody else who has the knowledge of the Kitab, meaning he knew the Ismullah al-A'adam, Allah's special name. He said that before you can blink your eye, I will get the throne of Bilqis and present it here. And within a moment, what happened? He was able to present the throne of Bilqis in the presence of Suleiman alayhi salam. At that time, Suleiman alayhi salam, upon seeing these blessings that Allah has given him, such people, Allah has given him such a team, Allah has given him such blessings, Allah has granted him such gifts and such bounties. He knew he, he didn't deserve them. He wasn't entitled to them. What did he say? He said, Hada min fadli rabbi. This, if he viewed things like this, this is the grace. You know, say this, God's grace. Okay, this is Quran. Hada min fadli rabbi. This is the grace of my Lord. This is a gift. It's his father. Why? Liyabluwani aashkur am akthur. Why is Allah doing all these things for me? He's testing me whether I am grateful, I do shukr, or I do kufr. Kufr means ungrateful. Okay? It's, it's, it's dangerous. Not being a person of shukr means you're a person of kufr, which means being ungrateful. Why is, why is he giving me all of this? It's a test. Am I grateful or am I ungrateful? And then he says, Whoever is grateful, they are only grateful for themselves, meaning the benefit of gratitude 
I will receive myself first before anybody else. Everybody will try and do this inshallah. So throughout the week, try and practice this. If we've not downloaded the app, do download it. It's very simple. There's nothing to it. It's got a very basic interface. It won't distract you. It will, it's very simple. It will help you stay on track. If you can't do it every day, don't worry about it. Don't stress too much. But at least having that there will force you to have an open eye kind of attitude towards looking out for Allah's bounties and His grace. May Allah give us a tawfiq to see everything as a gift and to take things uh, as granted as opposed to for granted. So last week we spoke about with Sahabi. Shurahmil ibn Hasana. Can we have a quick recap? Okay, so Jordan basically goes into his account. He is known as the conqueror of Jordan. Very good. Very good. Normally we see somebody, the son of so-and-so. So he is attributed to his mother, Hassanah. Very good. So when Muslims migrated to Abyssinia for the second time, they were there for quite a while. During that time, the Prophet ﷺ migrated, Badr happened and so much happened. And then by the time they came back, it was much later. And remember, Nidus, the emperor of Abyssinia, who was Christian, he accepted Islam. He became a Muslim. So he actually conducted the nikah of the Prophet ﷺ with who, who, was, who was the lady? Ummu Habiba, the daughter of Abu Sufyan. Um, very good. Anything else? Very good. So he was second in, in command. That's quite high up. And finally, what happened? Very good. He was a scribe of Wahi as well. And then let's go to the end. Passed away in the plague of Amwas. Which day? Same day as Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. Very tragic because you're losing your first in command and second in command at the same time. So that was Shurahbil ibn Hasana. So today's lesson inshallah, lesson number 36, good for following. Uh, Sahaba, part 10. And which Sahabi? Number 8, mashallah. Very good. I would have been through with that. Sayyiduna, today's Sahabi is Sayyiduna Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu anhu. Who was he? He was a son of Amirul Mu'mineen, Sayyiduna Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala. So the oldest son of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his name is Abdul Rahman. So we say Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu anhu. His original name was Abdul Ka'ba. The son of the Kaaba, sorry, the servant of the Kaaba. Is that a good name? Not sure. Servant of the Kaaba. Good name? Yeah? Why is it a good name? Yeah, you can call yourself the helper of the Kaaba, maybe. Or Khadibul Haramayni wa Sharafayn. But not the servant. A deity. Remember in Islam, we don't we don't worship the Kaaba. We worship Allah. So Abdul, you can't have Abdul anything besides Allah. So this wasn't a good name. So this was a name from before from Jahiliyyah. Remember, this is the eldest son of Abu Akr anhu. The Prophet wasallam changed his name to Abdul Rahman. So his name was Abdul Kaaba originally, and the Prophet wasallam changed his name to Abdul Rahman. On this, the Prophet has said, the most beloved names to Allah are Abdullah and Abdul Rahman. These are the most beloved names to Allah. If anybody's ever thinking of naming 
and what names, okay? I mean, you don't have to keep these names, but if you want to know the most beloved names to Allah for a boy, okay, they are Abdullah and Abdul Rahman. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam changed his name from Abdul Kaaba to Abdul Rahman. So he's the real brother of the mother of the believers who, Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha. So it's her real brother, Abdul Rahman, the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And he has narrated approximately eight hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So not many, whereas you've got Aisha radiallahu narrating more than 2,000. Okay, and we're going to find out now why he's not narrated as many. During the farewell Hajj, the Prophet instructed Abdurrahman to take Aisha radiallahu anha to where? Anybody? During the farewell Hajj, the Prophet instructed uh, Abdurrahman to take Aisha to where? Hmm? Not Jairana. Sometimes we don't think of the, the obvious things because it's, it's just there. It's like when the Sahaba were asked to think of the tree that resembles a Muslim and the Sahaba started thinking of all the complex trees in the forest. Whereas the tree they were, the Prophet was asking about was right in front of them. Think of one masjid in Makkah, and it's actually named after her as well. Though. Masjid Aisha, obviously, Masjid Aisha. Why is it called Masjid Aisha? Tan'im. The actual place is called Tan'im, and it's called, we call it Masjid Aisha. Why? Because Aisha, radiallahu anha, during the Hajj, she came on her monthly cycle, so she became really upset. What am I going to do? Everyone's going for Hajj, and I can't even go and do the Tawaf. What's going to happen now? So the Prophet said, don't worry Aisha, this is something women from the time of your mother Hawa have been experiencing. It's normal for women to undergo this. And then she said, don't worry. When she finished her cycle, she, the Prophet pulled Abdul Rahman and said, take your sister to Tan'im and she can begin her ihram from there and she can come and do the Umrah that she had missed as part of the Hajj. And this is why it's called Masjid Aisha now. This is why we call it Masjid Aisha because she was taken there by Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr. So this is um, something about him. So he delayed accepting Islam. So he's not amongst the people who accepted Islam earlier on. He actually delayed in his acceptance of Islam until after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So we're talking about just before the conquest of Makkah. We're, we're talking about quite later on. Quite later, so he's not one of the early people to accept Islam. Despite being the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he didn't accept Islam in the early days. He actually fought alongside the polytheists and the mushrikeen of Makkah in Badr. In Uhad, he came out to fight against the Muslims. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyiduna Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu saw his son Abdul Rahman in the battle of Badr. And he says, oh Prophet of Allah, I'm going for him. I am going for him. Right? I know he's my son, but he's on the opposite end and he's come to fight us. So, and the Prophet stopped him and says, No, he's your son, right? Just calm down, don't go for him. And then in Uhad, he also came against the Muslims as well. Later on, when he accepted Islam, father and son were having a discussion. And Abdul Rahman said to his dad, Abu Bakr, Dad, do you know what? In the Battle of Badr, there was a moment that you came under my sword and I let you go because I thought you're my father and I let you go. And the father said, Abdul Rahman, on that day had you come under my sword, I wouldn't have let you go. I wouldn't have looked at you being my son because at that time you weren't my son. You came on the opposite end. Good job you didn't come under my sword. And the Quranic verses were revealed that you find these Sahaba being such that they're not biased. They don't go on family and they don't right is right wrong is wrong and these kind of things didn't turn them away didn't soften them they didn't compromise when it came to the religion of islam regardless you find these verses in the quran that speak about this so this is abdurrahman ibn abi bakr when the letter of sayyidina umar 
reached Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah informing him to uh, go forward now with the conquest of Baytul Maqdis, the Sahaba came and it was winter, it was very, very cold. And they continued fighting with the people before they laid the siege for 10 days. And on the 11th day, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, he raised the flag. So he was in, in the center of the army as being the leader of the army. The right part of the army, you get different parts of the army, which is called the Maymana, the Maysara, and you get the central part, you get the front, you get the back battalion. So the Maymana on the right, the right wing of the army, that was under the leadership of Khalid bin Walid. And at the conquest of Jerusalem, the left wing of the army was under Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. So this is interesting to know that he was given this rank to lead the left wing of the army of Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah Sayyidina Umar gifted Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr a horse which they received from the spoils of the battle of Ajnadayn. Remember we spoke about the battle of Ajnadayn? So there they received the horse. So Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr was given this as a gift by Sayyidina Umar On this particular horse, he rode and he fought one of the Christian, the last Christian ruler of the Ghassanid state, Jab Jabala ibn Ayham. Jabala ibn Ayham is a well-known person and it's an interesting story. Time doesn't allow us to go into the story of Jabala ibn Ayham. I'm just going to mention very briefly um, that Jabala ibn Ayham was one of the Christian rulers known to be a warrior and he actually refused to fight the Muslims in the battle of Yarmouk. And he told the other Christians as well, don't fight the Muslims, don't kill them. Why? Because the Muslims have given a freedom of religion to us. They're saying that we can live here, okay? We can practice our religion. We can worship in our churches. What's the need for us to fight them then? So initially he was a good person and he actually told people not to fight and he was spared as well. And then what happens is he uh, accepted Islam also. So there's reports that he accepted Islam. So he accepts Islam. Jabala ibn al-Ayham, one of the rulers of the Ghassanid state, a Christian, okay, he accepted Islam. And then one day what happened was, as he was going by, there was a poor person uh, who, who came across him and um, he kind of, he, he, he tripped and he, he kind of fell on this man called Jabala ibn al-Ayham. So Jabal ibn Ayham, he became really angry and he slapped this poor person and he, he, he severely beat him. Like, like, can't you see where you're going? Don't you know who I am? And he severely beat him. The poor person goes to Umar radiallahu anhu and he complained. He says, Jabala has carried out injustice towards me. I, it was an accident. I didn't hurt him intentionally. And look the way he's treated me. So, the, so Umar radiallahu anhu, as you know, he was very just. He says, call Jabala, he summoned him. Call him here and the poor man is going to take revenge. Okay, the way he's beaten him, this is Islam. Okay, it doesn't matter who you are, you might be a ruler, but this poor man is going to take revenge. He didn't like this. And he said, oh, oh Amirul Mu'minin, give me a few moments, I'll be, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. In that time, he took advantage of that opportunity and he fled. He ran away from there, he left Islam, he became a renegade as well. Um, so this is Jabala ibn al-Ayham and later on Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr, this horse that Umar radiallahu granted him, he was able to ride on that and uh, fight with Jabala ibn al-Ayham and take revenge. Sayyiduna Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu anhu passed away in Makkatul Mukarramah and now we find he is buried in the graveyard of Makkatul Mukarramah, Jannatul Ma'alla. If anybody goes there, you have been told that this is the burial place of Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, she came to visit the grave of her brother, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. She stood on the grave, this is documented in hadith, she stood on the grave and she cried. She cried and she cried. And she said, she said, sang some couplets, very beautiful couplets, you find them in the books of hadith. And she compares her relationship with her brother to two friends that would never, never ever part. They were always together. 
you know, my, my connection to you is like the connection of so-and-so and so-and-so that they were never ever apart from each other and she was basically lamenting on the fact that she's never going to see him again and she even said that had I, be present, had I been present when you passed away I wouldn't have been so upset and cried as much as I am crying now but because I missed out I didn't see your final moments I know I'm never going to see you ever again on this she was crying so what's the campaign for this week what, what was last week's campaign by the way about the non-mahram and just like the prophet trusted shurahbil uh, to have integrity and modesty we should also have this as well so this week's campaign inshallah we should take inspiration from the dealings of sayyiduna abdurrahman ibn abi bakr with his son how can we do this what he did was he didn't overlook the mistakes even though he was a family member basically play fair don't be biased okay don't be one-sided and to ensure that we're fair in our rulings just because somebody is family or somebody you know that doesn't mean you take their side when uh, it, it, it's, it's not the right thing to do justice is justice regardless and this is somewhere where we find it difficult to make a decision when it's when it's to do with your own when it's to do with your own family or your own children you we kind to sometimes take sides or give preference to others but to be fair and this is something we are taught be fair and be just because this is the most closest to taqwa may allah give us the tawfiq inshallah let's do some quranic recitation La ilaha illallah 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 Subhanallah, <laughs> 
الله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم 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 استغفر الله 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 الله والله 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 لا إله إلا الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين وإلهكم إله واحد لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لا أحسي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله رضينا بالله ربا وبالإسلام دينا وبمحمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رسولا ونبيا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لك الحمد ولا نعمة الإيمان ولك الحمد ولا نعمة الإسلام ربنا ظلمنا أنفسا 
ہمزنا وَإِلَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُولَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ O kind Allah, O loving Allah, O most merciful and compassionate Allah, O the most forgiving Allah, Wallah, we beg you for your forgiveness, O Allah. We need your forgiveness, O Allah. We are desperately in need of your forgiveness, O Allah. If you don't forgive us, nobody can forgive us, O Allah. We ask only of you, O Allah. You are the only forgiver, O Allah. You call yourself Ghaffar, O Allah. You are the only forgiver of sins, O Allah. You love to forgive sins, O Allah. We are sinful, O Allah. We have committed many crimes against you, O Allah. Wallah, we have done much wrong, O Allah. We have disobeyed many commands of yours, O Allah. We are sorry for what we have done, O Allah. Wallah, help us to turn to you, O Allah. Help us to repent towards you, O Allah. Help us to continue asking for your forgiveness, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. Forgive our sins, O Allah. Wipe away our sins, O Allah. Delete our sins, O Allah. Wallah, give us the ability to stay away from your disobedience, O Allah. Create the hatred of sins in our hearts, O Allah. Make it easy for us to obey you, O Allah. Make us closer to you, O Allah. Okay, Allah, make us people of taqwa, O Allah. Grant us steadfastness on your religion, O Allah. Grant us a life of halal, O Allah. Protect us from all types of haram, O Allah. Grant us a life of shukr, O Allah. Grant us the ability to be always in shukr, O Allah. Make us people of gratitude, O Allah. Make us from the shakirin, O Allah. Make us from the ibadi al-shakur, O Allah. Make us from those who you love, O Allah. Grant us the qualities that you love, O Allah. And safeguard us from those traits and those habits and those characteristics that you despise, O Allah. Safeguard us from kufr and nifaq, O Allah. Safeguard us from bad character, O Allah. Safeguard us from lying and backbiting, O Allah. Safeguard us from being ungrateful, O Allah. Allah, safeguard us from being impatient, O Allah. Safeguard us from being lazy, O Allah. Safeguard us from being those who neglect your commands of Allah help us to revive the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam within our lives and within our homes of Allah Muslims wherever they may be suffering throughout the world of Allah make their conditions easy upon them of Allah shower them with your mercy of Allah help them to continue resisting the evil that is being done against them of Allah and make them steadfast on the deen of Allah you aid them of Allah come to their rescue of Allah protect them of Allah safeguard them from all sides O Allah, strengthen their iman, O Allah, grant food to those who are starving, O Allah, grant clean water to those who are thirsty, O Allah, grant clothing to those who are clothless, O Allah, grant shelter to those who are homeless, O Allah, and grant peace, O Allah, to those who are living in fear, O Allah. O Allah, we are showered with your blessings, O Allah. Help us to appreciate every blessing of yours, O Allah. And when the time comes to leave the world, O Allah, grant us death with iman and Islam, O Allah, safeguard us from the punishment of the hereafter, O Allah. Grant us Jannah al-Firdaus, O Allah. Grant us Jannah al-Firdaus, O Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the same. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi